0: God loves to take our little and make it much god wants to give us exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything we could ever hope for or imagine the truth is little as much in god's hands if all we can give is all that we have god loves that act
1: of faith redeeming our weaknesses through christ's strength welcome to moments of hope with david chadwick If you've been following along on our broadcast, you know we've been in a series of teachings about God's provisions for our lives. If you've missed any of these programs or would like to hear them again, you can find them on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. But today, we come to the conclusion of this series with the second part of a message David simply calls Weakness.
0: First Peter chapter one verse seven is a fascinating verse. Look at this with me. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. When he comes back, he wants us to praise him in glory and honor. So therefore, he tests our faith and wants it to be precious like gold. Well, gold is put in the fire to burn off the dross. So any faithful follower of Jesus will have our faith put in the dross, in the fire, excuse me, to burn off the dross so that our faith is made pure like gold. Let me tell you a very... Difficult prayer to pray, but it's necessary for all of us to pray if we're serious about our relationship with Jesus. Lord, test my faith. Test my faith. Like you did, Philip, like you did others, so that it can be proven to be like gold. Please, Lord. So that's what he's doing here. And Philip, though, was looking at the size of the problem, not the size of his God. And that's what Jesus wanted him to get at. You see, in verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. This is fascinating. So what Philip does, he probably thinks about the treasury pouch that Judas carried. And he thought, you know what? I, I know how much is in there. It's about... 200 denarii, one denarii was worth a day's labor. So that's about eight months' worth of wages we've got there. But there are 20,000 people, 200 denarii, 200 denarii to buy us this much bread. There are all these people out there. And then that's when he concludes, uh, if we buy bread, no one will get enough. Do you see what he's doing? He's walking by sight, not by faith. He's trying to figure it out, calculate it like all of us do whenever we're facing a problem. i got to figure this out. And Jesus just wanted him to trust him, not to try to figure it out. So then let's move to the next act of the play, the supplies. They're limited as you look at the problem. Verses 8 and 9. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Okay, so Andrew steps to the plate. Philip fails the test. Andrew steps up, and he brings a boy who is in the crowd. Now, let's uh, pause for a second and Talk about this boy. Who is he? Well, the text doesn't tell us, but I can't help but wonder if he isn't one of those little children who came to Jesus and sat on his knee, whom Jesus said, all of us need to have a faith like this child. You can't help but wonder he had some dramatic encounter with Jesus so that when he left that morning and his mother packed him five barley loaves and two fish, barley is the food of the poor it's highly nutritious but it's awfully crumbly and when you eat it it tastes like paste but it was all the poor could afford so this boy's probably from a poor family his mom fixed him five barley loaves and two pickled sardines so she's giving him basically a couple of fish sandwiches for lunch but he probably left going but i know this man i've got to have more encounters with him He moved amidst the 20,000 to the front of the line. So when Andrew's trying to figure out how to feed this number and didn't think Philip's answer was very good, he goes among the people to check what resources they have in the cupboard. And he finds this boy with five barley loaves and two pickled fish. And he says to Jesus, here's all we got. And there's a part of us that goes, okay, good for Andrew. Step forward, a man of great faith. But then he says, but what are they for so many? A statement of doubt. A statement of unbelief. How can five loaves and two fish feed all of these numbers of people? Which leads to the last act of the play, the surplus, which becomes Unlimited in verses 10 through 13. Look at these verses. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in that place because it was springtime. When is grass most luscious, most green, softest, most comfortable? When, folks? Springtime. So keep that in mind. There's several steps Jesus took here so that the abundance of the loaves and fish were able to feed the 20,000 people. First of all, the people sat down on the grass. Again, it's spring. It's when the grass is softest, most comfortable. And I just think it's wonderful, don't you, that Jesus is very concerned with the comfort of our bottoms. I thought that would get a little bit better chuckle than it got. I mean, isn't that wonderful that Jesus cares about every single one of our needs, even the comforts of our rear ends, so he gave comfortable green grass in order to do this miracle. Now, secondly, again, this is the only miracle of Jesus that is in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I find that fascinating because if you want to know the complete story about what happened, you need to get each eyewitness account and put them together. Uh, We do that with an accident, for example. A police officer tries to get four witnesses, for example, to give their opinion on what happened, and then they put together the story from the different perspectives of the four witnesses. Well, if you look at particularly Matthew and Mark's gospel, you will see the next step after Jesus had them sit down on the comfortable grass is he divided them into 50s and 100s. He put them into organized groups in order for them to be fed. Now, now why is this important? It's because you need to know that God is a God of order. He likes things done decently and in order. Jesus sat people down in 50s and 100s to then distribute the food to them. But before the food was distributed, the text tells us he gave a prayer of thanksgiving. Have you ever asked the question, where does it come from that before many of us who are Christians eat, we pause and ask a prayer of thanksgiving? Do You wanna know where it comes from? Do, do, do. The answer is John 6. Comes from John 6. That before Jesus distributed the bread and the fish to the people gathered, he gave a prayer of thanksgiving. Folks, why did he give a prayer of thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is the major antidote to the disease called pride. Pride can wither the soul like nothing else. Pride is basically the belief. It all revolves around me that the world's basically my world. But thanksgiving acknowledges that God created the heavens and the earth, that God made everything we have. And this food before us that we are about to receive has been given to us by the bountiful hand of Almighty God. So therefore, when we stop pause and offer a prayer of thanksgiving privately in our homes or publicly? Some people say, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to embarrass the waitress. Embarrass the waitress. Would you rather embarrass the waitress or embarrass Almighty God? You are saying to the world, I acknowledge I'm nothing, and everything I have is a gift from God. So creation demands thanksgiving. You know what else demands thanksgiving? The new creation. The reality that my heart is dead in its sins and trespasses, Ephesians 2.1. Dead. There's nothing within me that desires God. But because of God's great love for me in Christ, He, by His power, birthed His spiritual life within my heart. And did I earn that spiritual life by my works? What's the answer, folks? Absolutely not. It is a gift by grace through faith so in creation and new creation i pray a prayer of thanksgiving regularly daily to thwart the disease called pride and to also acknowledge praise god from whom all blessings flow so jesus gives us the example before meals to pray a prayer of thanksgiving and then interestingly the disciples then take the five loaves and two fish and give to the people who are organized in the groups, then they start giving to the people next to them. And all of a sudden, the loaves and the fish start multiplying. Some liberal biblical theologians have suggested that people saw the generosity of the young boy and it motivated all of them to share their lunches. Balderdash in the name of Jesus. The text doesn't say that. The text says, as they gave to one another, God miraculously, abundantly magnified, multiplied the five loaves and two fishes so that everybody was fed. Now, notice a couple things here. First of all, the multiplication only took place when people gave. You can't expect the provision of God with a closed fist it's when the disciples gave and the people gave to one another that the loaves and the fish started multiplying that is a biblical truth Jesus teaches it in Luke 6:38 give and it shall be given to you. Luke 6, 38, Luke 6, 38, you go read it from the words of Jesus. Give, and it shall be given to you. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 9, says if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If a farmer, it's an agrarian illustration, if a farmer plants two seeds, he can't expect much crops. But Paul then said, if you sow abundantly, you'll reap abundantly. If you scatter hundreds of seeds, you can expect a large crop. It's a biblical teaching that as you give, it will be given unto you. And here's another example of it. As the disciples gave, the people gave, God multiplied the loaves and the fish. Look at this in Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. Would you read these verses with me, please? One gives freely, yet grows all the richer... Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. It is an eternal principle. And only you can decide whether you're generous with the gifts God's given you. You know, I teach the tithe and I realize for some of you, that's really a stretch and I know it. And that's why I want you to get financially free so that you can be generous And it is a stretch. But look at the boy. He wasn't wealthy, but his little gift was magnified. God found pleasure in it because it was given with faith. And some of you who are wealthier, the tithe doesn't even affect your life. So part of me never wants to teach the tithe because it gives you a way out to just give a little bit and have a lot left over. I'm convinced more and more the longer I live with my wife Marilyn that God doesn't look at how much you give. He looks at how much you've got left. The boy gave out of his paucity, and God blessed it abundantly. (laughs) And then, interestingly, they ate as much as they wanted. I want to say to that, praise God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was concerned with the eating of that great multitude? Jesus wanted them to eat. And then there were 12 baskets left over. This word for baskets, interesting, it would be like a um, McDonald's or Burger King carryout cart. It's not a big big, uh, basket. It's about the size of my Bible, like a carryout carton. There are 12 of them left over. Now, here's an interesting question. The, The text doesn't tell us the answer to this question, but to whom were these baskets given? Now, the number 12 is a number of perfection and completion in the Bible. 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples, 12 baskets left over. So, so some have concluded, surely Jesus gave each one of his disciples one of these cartons. and Therefore, they had enough to eat the next day, thus allowing them to understand more fully the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. They had enough for the next day and they could see God's provision. Here's what I believe. And the text doesn't say it. It's mere conjecture. But I think it makes sense. Who is the hero of this story? In our first week, Abraham was the hero. The knife was like this, and God said, No, 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 there's the ram. The next week, Elijah was the hero. God provided for him. Then Elisha. Who's the hero of this story? Philip? Eh. Uh-uh. Andrew? A little better, but eh. No. The hero of this story was the little boy. The little boy. He gave his whole lunch in faith. Wouldn't it make sense if Jesus is right, given it shall be given unto you, that the 12 basketfuls were given to the little boy? And if that's true, can you imagine that evening when he walked home with those 12 basketfuls piled high and his mom goes, whoa, what's that? And he says, mommy, have I got a story to tell you. 12 basketfuls left over here folks the bottom line to this message today is God loves to take our little and make it much God wants to give us exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything we could ever hope for or imagine the truth is we are brave at swimming as long as our feet can touch the bottom and God wants us to learn how to enjoy swimming not being able to touch the bottom The truth is little as much in God's hands. If all we can give is all that we have, God loves that act of faith. God loves to move when all hope is gone. Why? To show off. To show that he can meet your deepest need, not your greeds, but your deepest needs. And it'll always come through with his promise. That's what faith is up your faith. Don't you give up your faith. You continue to believe. Even though your circumstances and feelings are horrible, you continue to believe because God cannot lie. He can't lie.
1: This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a discussion about the value of a crisis. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm
2: Mark McManus, and with me today is Bart Noonan with West Boulevard Ministry. Bart, Tell us about West Boulevard Ministry. Uh, thank you, Mark, for this opportunity to speak about West Boulevard Ministry and, and more importantly about Jesus Christ. West Boulevard Ministry serves the spiritual and physical needs of the families and the communities within the West Boulevard quarter to the glory of Jesus Christ. Whether we're doing neighborhood outreach, cookouts, gatherings where we're bringing people outside of their apartments, their homes, into fellowship with one another, or we're doing Bible study bingo, the first Wednesday of every month, at Little Rock Apartments. And uh, we gather anywhere from 50 to 70 children that we share the gospel with and we play bingo after our Bible study portion of the night. And a couple weeks ago, there's a young man who we've been walking with now close to three years who came in, he, he forgot something, like a lot of young young kids do, he forgot something in the um, space. And he came back in and he ended up praying out myself and all the other volunteers for the West Boulevard Ministry team that were gathered there for that night and led us all in prayer and closed it out. And this young man, we've been taking to church every every Sunday for about the past year and a half. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about providing an opportunity for Jesus Christ to work inside someone's heart and, and then encourage them along the way. That sounds great. Now, Bart, if any of our listeners want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? The best way to do is uh, either email myself at bart at westboulevardministry.org Or they can call me straight up in my cell phone and I always answer. I'm sort of like a doctor. The phone's always on. And that's 980-298-9027. I would encourage folks, too, to also go to our website, which is westboulevardministry.org. And there you can see some of our photo galleries. You can see some of the blogs and a lot of things we do throughout the West Boulevard Corridor to the glory of Jesus Christ.
0: It is great having you with us today. Thank you very much. Thank you,
1: Mark. I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our Pastor David Chadwick. David, thank you for being with us today. It is
0: wonderful being with you, Jen. Thank you.
1: Well, in this morning's E devotion, you wrote a Davidism about how a crisis can show us who our true friends are.
0: Well, Jen, you know the importance of true friends. You you talk to me sometimes about some of your closest friends, but for our listeners right now, give some characteristics in your life of who your closest friends are.
1: Well, one comes to mind right away. It's my running buddy, and she is one of the kindest people that I know. She's kind, she's loving, she listens, she offers wisdom. She offers correction, and she is for me and for my dreams and things that I share with her, and she's also for my kids. She loves my kids well and builds them up. So those are just right off the bat some things that come to mind when I think of this friend.
0: Well, God created us to be in community. He said it's not good for man to be alone, so he created other human beings so that we would have the opportunity and privilege of being in relationship with one another. That's a good thing. Mm. Now, what's really interesting to me is in James, the first chapter, verses two through four, and it's also stated in Romans, the fifth chapter, that we are to rejoice in our tribulations that we're to give thanks when bad stuff happens to us. Now, a lot of us ask the question, isn't that counterintuitive from a good and loving father? And I would say no, because there are a lot of benefits that come to us when crises happen in our lives. And I would say one of those benefits is we find out who our true friends really are, Mm -hmm. the kind of friend you just described. Because Jen, there's a real difference between a friend and an acquaintance. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that a lot of people we think are, true friends today are mere acquaintances, and what will test whether they're true friends or acquaintances like nothing else is a trial Mm -hmm. when you go through a really difficult time. Marilyn and I honestly have been through a fairly difficult time over the last couple of years. One of the benefits, though, of that is it revealed to us who are our true friends and who were mere acquaintances. Our acquaintances didn't contact us much at all. They weren't involved with us as we walked through this very deep, dark valley. But we had some other people who were friends who came and walked with us, would come by the house and talk to us. Mm. They would cry with us. They would pray with us. They would encourage us. Mm -hmm. They would believe the best in us, and they were there during this deep, dark time. We'll never forget that. And we rejoice in that trial right now because we say, Lord, we found out very seriously who were our friends and who were mere acquaintances. And these friends are going to be with us for the rest of our life's journey. Mm -hmm. We know that. And we've also been able to say they are the ones we want to build our lives into. They are the ones we want to spend time with because, again, we found out who's a true friend and who's a mere acquaintance. Therefore, we can rejoice Mm -hmm. in the trial that came our way.
1: I love how you said that. They believe the best. You know, that is what we're called to as believers is to believe the best and to, you know, gently correct people when needing correction, but not withdrawing and canceling. That would be the opposite. Right.
0: And and what we find out a lot too in trials is people say, I'm too busy. I can't get involved or I don't want to make a stand because I've then got to stand against somebody else over here. But the truth is you need to try to find out what truth is. And then when you do that, you can then make a decision to support this person over here or not support them at all. We found out a lot of people were willing to make those hard choices and come alongside us and they were in Proverbs 18:24 language a brother or a sister who is so close like a family member themselves.
1: This is so good. Thank you so much David.
0: Thank you Jen and it's a pleasure being with all of you today. If you'd like to receive these daily e-blasts from me in written form, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there daily free of charge in your inbox at 7 a.m. each morning a way of you to have a moment of hope.
1: This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, senior pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We would love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out David's HopeCast. They're both free and available at momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for safe travels over this holiday week.